The date was February 7, 1999, and Paul Skiba, who owned a moving company called Tough Movers, decided to bring his nine-year-old daughter Sarah to work with him, along with another employee of his, Lorenzo Chivers. Paul was not scheduled to work that day. He was supposed to be spending the weekend with his daughter, as he only got her every other weekend. So the three set out between seven and eight that morning, and although a witness swears they saw a moving truck return to the office that evening, Paul, Sarah, and Lorenzo were never to be seen again. So how in the hell do two adult men and a nine-year-old little girl go missing in broad daylight when they're driving a moving truck? I don't know. Let's figure it out. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. So Paul Skiba wasn't new to the moving business, okay? He had been the owner at Tough Movers for a few years now, and he had taken the company over when the former owner retired. Paul had a normal upbringing, got into his fair share of trouble, mostly petty drug charges, you know, regarding weed, but was a good person, according to everyone he knew. He was someone who went above and beyond for people, and it showed in his business. Paul had earned a reputation among those in the Denver, Colorado antique world, even. He was known for being honest and hardworking, for saying he would get a job done and finding a way to finish it no matter what. He met and married his first wife, Michelle Russell, shortly after moving to Colorado from his home state of Minnesota, and the two had a daughter. Her name was Sarah. But things didn't work out for Paul and Michelle, and the two would divorce, and an ugly custody battle would ensue, as expected. Michelle got primary custody of Sarah, and Paul got every other weekend and on Wednesdays. Unfortunately for Paul, Michelle had moved over 100 miles away after the breakup, so this made Paul's visitations even more complicated. Paul would drive to the next town over and rent a hotel in the middle of the week so he and Sarah could spend the day together, and he never missed a visit with her. He would do anything for that girl, according to those who knew him. She was his whole world, and the most important thing to him. Sarah was a beautiful young girl. She had long, blonde, wavy hair with hazel eyes and rosy cheeks, and her face glowed when she smiled. She was full of energy, but polite and well-spoken. The neighbors recall she was always friendly and wanting to talk, as kids her age often are. She was very well-behaved, And that's why Paul had no problems with her accompanying him to work that day. A day that they were not supposed to be working at all. But, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes your kids like to go to work with you, right? He probably had an opportunity to make a little extra money. Also, he's the owner of the company now, so who gets held accountable when someone doesn't show up? It's the owner. You know, and I'm sure little Sarah was more than happy to tag along, ride in the big truck, see what dad does on a daily basis, right? So normally Paul's mother, Shannon, uh, would look after Sarah if he had to go to work or whatever unexpectedly. But recently, Shannon's own mom had passed away. And Shannon had flown back to Minnesota to settle her estate. So Jerry, Paul's employee, who was supposed to work that day, had a family emergency, as he had just found out his grandfather had passed away. See how this is setting up? It's like a perfect storm. That's why this whole case is so weird. 
Jerry asked Paul if he could cover for him, and of course, Paul didn't hesitate. He told Jerry to go, be with his family that day, and he would help the newly hired Lorenzo with the jobs that they had scheduled. Paul started dating a woman named Teresa Donovan after his divorce, and the two were on again, off again for the next few years. The relationship was far from perfect. Let's put it that way. Lorenzo Shivers had just started working for Paul as he was living with Teresa's sister at the time, and he needed a job. That's Teresa Donovan, who Paul was dating. Her sister is letting Lorenzo stay with her. So I don't know if Lorenzo was seeing her or what the deal was. But anyways, Lorenzo was a great person as well. He had two children of his own. He had a 12-year-old daughter, Aubrey, who lived with her mother, and a 15-year-old son, Josh, who lived with him. Lorenzo and his wife, Misha, were currently separated. She talks highly of him still, and the two had discussed reconciling their, their relationship shortly before Lorenzo went missing. Lorenzo was a dedicated father, too, and Josh knew something was up when his dad didn't return home that Sunday night, and he didn't even call. Paul and Sarah's families were also worried when on Monday morning, Paul didn't return Sarah to her mother's. Michelle called her, so Sarah's mother, Michelle, called Sharon, who is Paul's mom. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of names here. Okay, guys, just, just hang in there. So Sarah, Paul's daughter, her mother, Michelle, was supposed to have Sarah by now. So she called Sharon, Paul's mom, and Sharon explained that she was out of state at the time. Uh, But the two were immediately on high alert, as this was something very unusual for Paul. Paul and Michelle had been to court several times over custody for Sarah, and recently Michelle had mentioned to Paul that she might not be that she might be moving again. And this time it would be further away and out of state. So the police did not take the missing report very serious, um, as they expected that this was some sort of parental abduction. Shannon also attempted to call and alert police to the circumstances but was again met with the same hesitation, being told to just wait, and Paul would turn up somewhere with Sarah. Even with someone else missing too, the police hesitated to act. Jerry had arrived at work on Monday, a little late and a little hungover. He had spent the night before reminiscing with family about their past relative. He got to the yard around 11.30. Now Jerry is the employee that Paul filled in for, if you guys can't remember. Like I said, bear with me. I'm going to do my best to keep you guys up to date with these names, but there is a lot of names. So Jerry arrived late to work on Monday. He was a little hungover. Um, Like I said, the night before, he was probably drinking and reminiscing with family. Um, He got to the yard around 9.30 to 10 a.m., and when he arrived, he immediately realized something was off. He was late to work, but the gate was still locked, as if no one had opened the business this morning. Paul, Lorenzo, and Jerry were all supposed to meet up there Monday morning as Paul had already lined up jobs for that day. So where were they? Jerry waited on Paul and Lorenzo, but no one ever showed. And when Jerry went to open the gate, he noticed the locks had been changed. But this wasn't unusual, as most of the time when Paul fired someone, he would change the locks. Understandably so. Jerry thought maybe while he was gone, something had happened, and that's why the locks were changed. He also noticed the big moving truck that Paul was anal about parking uh, by backing it in 
was pulled nose first into the parking lot. So the truck was there. It just wasn't backed in like Paul always did. Hmm. So with the changed locks, an oddly parked truck, Jerry thought the day before must have been an eventful one. He could not wait to hear what Paul had encountered. He enjoyed talking to Paul and said no one told a story like Paul did. But Jerry would never get to hear the story of that night because no one would. It was Wednesday before anyone would get police to come out to the fenced-in parking lot where Paul Skiba kept his Tough Movers box trucks. An officer had met Jerry at the gate of Tough Movers. Jerry explained that he didn't have the key to the new lock on the gate and that he didn't want to cut it as it may be evidence. Jerry and the officer jumped the gate, and when inside, Jerry said the officer seemed to shrug off anything they found or seemed unusual. For example, the truck that was parked wrong and the puddle of oil between the two trucks and the fact that the inside of the cab was clean, Jerry said that that's strange because we live in these trucks, and Paul would have had it ready to go for Monday. The officer opened the door and glanced inside. How do you know he didn't recently change the oil? The officer asked when presented with the oil spill. How do you know they didn't clean out the truck after the job on Sunday? He suggested. And as far as how it was parked, that didn't seem anything serious to the officer at all. But why would it, right? He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how anal uh, Paul was about backing this truck in. Right? I'm sure he had his reasons. So the officer left the tough movers that day, unconvinced that there had been a crime. This was Wednesday. The three went missing on Sunday. Shannon, Paul's mother, arrived back in Colorado on Saturday. She and some of Paul's close friends visited the lot. They noticed bullet holes in the side of one truck and blood smeared on the side of one of the doors. And somehow, the officer didn't see this shit. Just makes no damn sense. The police came back out and after some convincing, finally took everyone's statement and had the truck collected as evidence. I just don't get how this officer looks in this truck, sees the oil spill, sees how clean it is and all this stuff, doesn't see the bullet holes or the blood smeared. He just wasn't looking for it. He was just automatically showed up and convinced that this was not a crime scene. I'm convinced of that. So while the police were examining all the evidence, Friends and family of Paul and Lorenzo had started a search, as both of the men's personal vehicles had been missing from the lot. A week after the disappearance, Lorenzo's car was located in an apartment complex across town. Lorenzo and Paul had no ties to the complex, and the placement seemed to be very random. Paul's car was finally located by police on the opposite side of town, again at an apartment complex that neither man had any ties to. Upon examination, blood was found in the cab and the back of the moving truck as well. When ran through DNA analysis, the blood matched Paul and Sarah Skiba. The oil spill that had been found appeared to be covering up a pool of blood again. It matched Paul and Sarah as well. The amount of blood also appeared to be enough to conclude that Sarah and Paul Skiba had been killed. But oddly enough, no signs of Lorenzo were ever found. At first, police naturally suspected Lorenzo, but after digging into his life, they found no motive for him to be involved. Police concluded that the three of them had been ambushed after returning to the parking lot that day, 
Paul and Sarah had been shot at the lot, and they assumed that Lorenzo was killed in another location. Although Lorenzo is still listed, listed as missing and not deceased. Rightfully so. But they did not come to this conclusion until six years later, when the status of Paul and Sarah's cases were changed from a missing persons to a homicide. Sharon had Paul and Sarah declared dead in 2006, after she struggled for eight years to keep Paul's home and business alive. Police have never named a suspect in Paul, Sarah, and Lorenzo's case, although there have been tons of theories thrown out. Many believe that Teresa Donovan had Paul killed. She had given birth to a son just three months prior, and Paul didn't believe the child to be his. He was planning on ending things with Teresa Donovan and had asked her to be out by the day that he went missing, ironically. According to statements from Paul's close family and friends, he also told her that if the baby was his, that he was going to take her to court and sue for full custody. Paul also held a life insurance policy, which was appointed to his son, Paul Roger, Teresa Donovan's son. Paul had been carrying a large amount of cash on him the day the three were killed, as they had just completed two jobs. So it's possible that it could have just been a robbery gone wrong. The only witness said they heard a woman screaming in the area of the parking lot around midnight on Sunday. It's still unknown who the witness heard, and if it was anyone related to this case at all. Police also investigated the drug motive, as Paul was known to partake in the devil's lettuce from time to time. However, those leads went nowhere. No motives or enemies were uncovered for Lorenzo Shivers. He, too, appeared to have no reason to be involved. It's now been over 20 years, and there are still no answers for the Skiba and Shivers families. Not for lack of trying, though. Sharon still remains in Colorado, hoping that being near the area, she can help the case stay in front of the minds of the investigating teams. Lorenzo Chivers' family has never given up hope that one day they may have answers for why their father never came home. It's believed that Lorenzo may have suffered the worst fate, that although Paul was believed to be the intended target, that Lorenzo may have been forced to help load and dispose of Paul and Sarah, and then he was killed at that location. Police did note that the loading ramps, the moving blankets, and ratchet straps were all missing from the back of the truck. Some believe that this was because it was used to hide the bodies in the area of water, such as a lake or a pond. Uh, bodies of water near the Tough Movers parking lot were searched, but nothing was ever found to be linked to the missing three. No clues, no trace, no bodies. This case seems to have been frozen and lost in time. Will Paul, Sarah, and Lorenzo ever be found? Can someone bring them home? Why were they killed in the first place? This is such a strange, strange case. And it's probably one of the most vague cases I've ever covered on this show. And it's left me, you know, trying to figure out not only how to fill out this whole episode uh, with information on this case, but also this is the first time I think I've ever been so dumbfounded um, with theories. I, I just don't know. This just seems like such a random act to me. The timing is strange as far as uh, Paul threatening to sue his new girlfriend or mother of his child, presumably, uh, if it is his. 
Now, that timing is strange, and the fact that she wanted to kick him out, that's also strange. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that, if she had, in, Donovan, Teresa Donovan is her name. I don't know if she had anything to do with this at all, but she could have, she could have very well hired someone to be waiting at that lot. Do you not think her and Paul being that close, you not think she had a key to that place? Or, you know, possibly knew where he was. I mean, she had connection with him all the time through cell phones and whatnot. She probably knew where he was and when he would be where. Um, so that doesn't look that good for her. But there is no evidence to tie her to anything like that. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And then also, I mean, I know it's it's so probably so easy. If I went on forums and and Reddit and whatnot, I know there's a lot of people very suspicious of Lorenzo, but I just see nothing, nothing in there to to implicate him in this crime or doing this type of thing. Like the only thing I could even even begin to consider regarding Lorenzo is that maybe maybe someone in the family, maybe uh, this Teresa Donovan character, maybe she hired Lorenzo to go work for Paul. You know, Lorenzo was recently hired, right? Very recently hired. So how did he get that job? How did he hear about it? Who told him, you know, was, did Teresa tell Paul, like, hey, I, I know this gentleman who needs a job, blah, blah, blah. Like, how did it go down? How did how did Lorenzo even get hired there? You know, there's just there's just a lot of questions that I have. Not that I'm skeptical of Lorenzo. I'm just I'm just curious overall. I have no reason to suspect him. It's just there. It's just odd that he just started. There was no one else to take the truck. But I don't know. I I just feel like if I'm if if I'm the new fling in Teresa Teresa Donovan, and I am looking for a future with this man, and now I'm carrying his child, or at least I think so, and this man does not want to be with me and wants to take my child, and he has a child already that's complicating things. Um, this seems like a really easy solution to get rid of both of them. Um, and like I said, maybe Lorenzo was just um, extra collateral on the case, unfortunately. Wrong place, wrong time. Uh, and the, the the theory that Lorenzo may have been forced to help with the crime um, or something like that, that, that definitely has a lot of weight as well. It really does. That makes a lot of sense. And then once they got his help to the crime scene, they off him too, throw him in the hole with them, wherever they are, the bottom of the lake, burned, whatever the hell they did um, with these bodies because there is nothing there. But we do know that there was enough blood loss behind that two people um, could have easily died. So that's where we are with that. Guys, this is normally the part of the show that I'd be playing the Lauren synopsis for you guys, but it's totally my fault. We had a little bit of miscommunication this week. Imagine that, right? Um, We had a little miscommunication, and we had a few different cases on the table, and this is totally my fault. Lauren did a synopsis this week. This is not his fault. Um, it's just the wrong case. <laughs> so we will cover that case uh, in the future. I don't even want to tell you guys what it is, uh, just in case it's 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 off a little ways. I don't want you guys look, you know, waiting for it, looking for it. But either way, that is the reason there is no Lorne synopsis this week. It is not my is not his fault 
it is my fault. I take full credit and blame uh, for this terrible, terrible mishap because I, too, missed the Lauren synopsis, right? Um, but it will be back next week, guys. Never fear. This shit happens sometimes. Uh, you know, if you guys don't know, we record remotely. We both live on opposite sides of the country. Uh, he lives on the West Coast. I live on the East. So um, we're doing what we can to stay connected and communicate. And most most of the time, we do pretty well. Uh, but in this particular case, we, we kind of fucked it up. So neither here nor there. But guys, I would love to hear your theories on this case. If you guys have found out anything else, I would love to hear your theories, your possibilities. Um, yeah, if you find anything else, if you find any kind of other answers to this, something that I missed, I would like to know because this case really drives me crazy. There's got to be something. There's got to be some suspects in the area. There's, I just don't get how there's a pool of blood at the site. There's blood on the thing, on the uh, truck. It's just a mess. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get how there's not something there. There was some struggle. Was there not some struggle? I don't know. Um, but that's neither here nor there, guys. I want to thank you guys for listening to this show, as always. Thank you um, for supporting it every week. If you're on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, guys, the absolute best way to help the show. I promise you that is the best way to help the show, and I want to thank a few new members, new Patreon members that have joined in the last week. Big thanks to Caleb B., Jumped on at the $5 level. Kayla, your sticker will be in the mail very soon. As well as D-Man. D-Man, thank you very much. Coming on at the $7 level. I don't even have a $7 level. So thank you very much. $2 extra. I appreciate that very, very, very much. You guys do not understand. Sometimes you'll have that. You'll have patrons join and they're like, you know what? This podcast is worth this. Boom. Throw it up there. Hey, I appreciate that very much. I respect that a lot. I think when I get good service or I get something I like, I like to give people a tip. I consider that a tip. Thank you very much, uh, D-Man. So you will also be getting a sticker in the mail very soon, an exclusive uh, Strange and Unexplained Patreon sticker. And again, guys, that's patreon.com slash podcast, and it's just 3 bucks a month. And you guys get early access to all these episodes on Thursday. So if you're a big True Crime Guys fan, you can you can binge two days worth of True Crime Guys productions on Wednesday and Thursday every week before you hit that Friday. You know what I'm saying? I like to, That's the way I like to think about it. I'm like, Monday and Tuesday? Monday and Tuesday suck, okay? And I have Sandu coming out on Monday for the free platform. So Monday and Tuesday, you already know that sucks. But like Wednesday, get a new True Crime Guys. Thursday, you get a new Sandu, right, if you're on the Patreon. And then Friday is Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Anything need more to be said? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, guys, another great way to help the show is to leave a review and subscribe and download, obviously. But leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you want to leave a review, guys. Appreciate it. And if you leave five stars and you write me a little note or something, I will read it on the show like I'm about to do right now. I got three new reviews this week. That is, I'm stoked about that. Okay. Cause guys, if you, if you never started a podcast before and you never seen the, the slow build that it takes, oh, oh, it's just, it's awful. Like the first year of really first year or two of doing a podcast, it doesn't matter if you're putting out quality content or not, like and and promoting it. It's just a struggle, right? It's a slow process. Reviews come slow. Everything comes slow you feel like all you do is talk about it and nobody knows about it, okay? That's just, that's how podcasting is. But I want to thank 
Laura Lou 17 left a five-star review, said, love it, with heart emoji, said, I find this podcast just as intense as True Crime Guys. So thank you very much. Also, uh, KCB left a five-star review and also joined on Patreon, I believe, uh, said, wonderful podcast, but wouldn't expect any different from TCG Productions. Thank you so much, Casey. Also, Jinko152 left a five-star review with five fire emojis. That's what I like to see. Said, came over from TCG and loved this podcast. Michael's a great host and gives great insights into the cases. Love the music as always. Really need to come out with a true crime album. Uh, yeah, <laughs> working on that, working on that. So thank you guys so much uh, for everything that you do. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for reviewing and spreading the word to friends and family and on social media. Um, guys, that's, that's the number one way to help the show. Uh, speaking of social media, you guys want to give me a follow at S and U podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and then strange and unexplained on Facebook as well. If you Facebook person, you like to connect there. I am there as well. If you have a case suggestion, you can uh, DM me on any of those social sites again at S and U podcast. Um, or you can send me an email S and U podcast at gmail.com. Everything's the same. It's easy to find. Right, guys? And you guys could always hit us up on True Crime Guys. True Crime Guys at Gmail. True Crime Guys at all the social media as well. All right. So is that it? Oh, one more thing. Merch. Guys, don't forget about our merch. Check the links below. There's a link to Patreon. Um, typically any sponsors that we have on this episode. As well as merch and sources down below. Okay? I'm just giving you guys... The facts, I'm giving you guys the basics. There's always more to these cases, but some stuff I deem not as important or maybe irrelevant, or maybe there's just not enough fact backing it, so I will not put it in the show. But that doesn't mean there's not more to discover on these cases that I have linked down below. So check below the description for merch, Patreon links, uh, any type of advertiser links, as well as sources. Okay? All right. That's it, guys. I'm sorry. This is a little shorter of an episode. Uh, Lauren's synopsis would usually fill it out for me a little bit and put us over the 30-minute limit. Uh, I apologize for that again. And uh, so you guys don't be you guys don't be hating on Lauren. It's not his fault. He did a synopsis, okay? It's just not the right one. That's also not his fault. All right. I'm out of here, guys. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Be strange. Just don't be a stranger. <laughs>